Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. for our guests today. Make them feel welcome. Thank you for being here. We are in the middle of a series. This is called Love Song, and we are following the song of Solomon, or it's actually known as the Song of Songs. And uh, we've been looking at this love relationship that has been developing before us and following this couple. And so we are continuing this week, and the, uh, the, the topic is a deeper love. Now, before I jump into any of that, I want to make sure that I reiterate some of the things that Tim said in the announcements, just in case you got here a little late. Uh, the worship night is coming up on the 27th. Let's see how fast my media guy can go. The 27th, be here for the worship night. Uh, after service, we've got a missions trip chat. So if you want to talk about going to El Salvador with us, I've got an info session. We'll talk right over here for about five minutes after service, and you can learn more about that. And then uh, one announcement that was not uh, that Tim did not talk about, I am super excited about. So next week is the last week of this series. That I'm not excited about. But the following week, my friend, comedian, and entertainer David McCreary, that guy right there, is going to be here and he's going to fill this pulpit. He is hilarious and uh, he also knows how to preach the word and so we are excited to have him come in. That would be a great Sunday to invite your friends, invite people to come and see what church is all about, to see what God has for them because he is uh, an incredible gift to the body of Christ and you will enjoy that message, okay? So be here uh, two weeks from now uh, and that is the week before Easter. And then, uh, so, so that's David, we can, we can be all done with him. All right, now, <laughs> all right, good. I'm just checking because sometimes they throw things up there while I'm not looking and uh, you all don't tell me about them until later. That's happened. It's a real thing. All right. So let's jump into the message today. Again, we are in the Song of Songs. And so essentially, this is uh, Solomon's greatest hit. Like, if there was a CD out with his best and most well known songs, this would be the only song on the entire album. In fact, he says so in the first verse of the book. He says, Solomon's Song of Songs. He declares that. And so we're going to read the the first few verses here because in the first few verses of this book contain the. the, the whole goal of this series and what we are trying to accomplish by talking about relationships and by looking at this. So now, just so you know, uh, because the, the, the whole book, I've color-coded it for you as we see it up on the screen. Uh, when you see letters in green, it is the female speaking. It's the, his, Solomon's lover. When you see it in blue, it is Solomon himself speaking. And because no girl goes anywhere without a pack of women with her, there is the pink. And they, these, this is a chorus of women, the daughters of Jerusalem, who sing back to him. And so as we look through this, this is all very poetic, and he uses a lot of symbolism from his time. I'm going to offer some commentary on what's happening there, because it's not always easy to know what he's talking about. It's kind of like the, you, you had to be there, you can't know, you didn't know the time, and so I'll explain some of that stuff to you as we go through. But the first verse says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. What she's saying is, baby, I love the way that you love me. You've taken time to get to know me. You love me in all the right ways. This is wonderful. And she's responsive to that. And she continues on and says, Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have ever sat next to somebody who has put on too much cologne or too much perfume, but it is like, it's one of those 
those things, you can smell them from a mile away, right? And even after they've left your presence, you can still taste it a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, you put on too much, right? So she's comparing his love, though, to too much perfume or all of the perfume poured out. Everybody can smell it. Everybody recognizes it. The way that you love me, everybody can see it. And it is wonderful. Everybody sees it. Everybody wants to be a part of it. In fact, she says, she goes on and says that no wonder the maidens love you. In other words, Solomon was the kind of dude that every girl wanted to be with and every guy wanted to be him. So that's the goal of this entire series. It's not necessarily that ladies that your man would be wanted by all the ladies, uh, but it is that we would learn to love each other in such a way in our marriage relationships that people would look at our relationship and say, I want that. There is something different about the way they love each other. That's what love really is. And so we get to be the shiny, as we call it around here, for people. And it draws them into relationship with Christ. And so that's the goal of the whole series, that we learn to love each other in a right way. And so we've been following this love relationship. We followed it from the beginning where we initially saw what attracted them to each other. And that was called the art of attraction. The second week we looked at their dating or, or their preparation relationship and how they grew and how they prepared and were ready for each other. The following week we talked about the marriage. We kind of skipped the wedding ceremony. It's contained there, but we didn't talk about that. We went straight to the good stuff and we went to the wedding night, the honeymoon, and we talked about what great sex looks like in a God-honoring way. And then last week we looked at how to fight, right? And because I think the world teaches us how to fight in our marriages and how to win those fights, but it doesn't teach us how to fight, excuse me, fight for our marriages. And so we looked at that last week, and I would encourage you that uh, if you weren't here for any of these messages, you can go to mysimplechurch.com, and uh, you can click on the media. Love song is there, and you can listen to all of them. In fact, I got a text message from a friend of mine who lives in Phoenix this week, and she said, Aaron, I clicked on love song, and she said, I listened to all four of them in one day while I was sitting at work. It's almost like she binged like we do on Netflix, you know? It made me feel really good, like, dang, we're as popular as Netflix, right? Like watching a, a series or something. It was cool. I told her, stay tuned. We got two more weeks. And she said, I can't wait. I can't wait. So anyway, uh, I, I promise you that if you will put the time into it and listen to those messages, they will change your life. They'll change your relationships and the way that you do relationships, okay? So last, uh, last week, we talked about their, their first argument, and, uh, and that'll be a blessing to you. So get, make sure you get into that. Today, we're going to talk about the deepening or the maturity of their relationship. And I think that what's tragic is that most couples never get to this place, to a deeper relationship with each other. Uh, I, I would say that if you look at divorce rates, both inside and outside of the church, they are tragically high because we never learned what we talked about last week, and that is to fight for our marriages, right? Because we've been taught to fight in our marriages and we've been taught how to win those fights but how many of you know that when you win an argument you lose the relationship and so we learned last week how to fight for our relationships to fight for their hearts uh, and not to necessarily win the fight but we don't reach that place where our relationship reaches maturity and we end the relationship because we don't know how to fight properly I would even say that it's, it's even sad to see that couples who stay in that fighting relationship, they, they continue to fight, they don't fight for it, but they wind up staying together instead of ending the marriage. They stay together and they're miserable all their lives. Their, places, their home is not a place of peace. There's no rest there. It's constant tension. And they wind up uh, growing old together and just being miserable because the relationship is always about themselves. It's never about each other. And so today's topic, I think, is critical because if you really want to have a great marriage, we have to get to a place where we are in a deeper love. 
So I know that many people are, are in trouble in this room, and you, maybe you've told me, and, and, and we've talked about it, or maybe you've just quietly kept it to yourself. Your relationship is in trouble. And so at the beginning of this series, I said, hey, if you're headed to a place where you're going to sign divorce papers, or you're headed to a place where you're like, hey, we need to separate, then I ask you to hold on and give me six weeks so that I can teach you these godly principles, and, uh, because I believe that, that if you will apply them, that God can do a miracle in your relationship. And several people have taken me up on that, and they've, they've said, we're going to stick it out. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving what God is doing in their hearts and their lives, because I believe, especially today, that today's topic will be a game changer if you will apply these principles in your life, okay? And so the reason that we need this deeper love is because the world is trying to teach us. They sell us this toxic lie, and we buy into it, that the reason that, that the marriage is failing or that the relationship is failing is because we married the wrong person. They say, look, you need to get out of that relationship, divorce them, and separate because the perfect person is out there waiting for you somewhere. And so I would say that if this were true, that we would see an increase in the success of second marriages, wouldn't we? We would see that second marriages are more successful than the first ones. Unfortunately, that's not what statistics tell us. They tell us that second marriages fail even more than the first marriage. And if it were true that that second marriages should be more successful, then third marriages should be even more successful. But it's not true as well. We see that statistics say that they are even worse, that they fail even more than second marriages and first marriages together. The world tells us that there is a more perfect person for us than we have now. They say that grass is always greener on the other side, but we know that the grass is always greener where you water it, where you care for it, where you invest time into it. We know that. And so the truth is that your marriage is always going to be to an imperfect person. But we get to choose to love them perfectly anyways. Let me say it this way. Marriage is a perfect commitment to an imperfect person. That's what it is. So as we talk about maturity today and getting into the deeper good stuff of life and marriage, we're going to find that there are four different areas that God speaks to specifically where we mature, okay? Uh, And what's funny is the first category involves our spouse's imperfection. So let's get into it. We're going to be in chapter 7. Now today, if you don't own a Bible and you'd like to have one, my service host will put one in your hand as a gift to you. You can take it uh, home with you. Just put your hand in the air and they will get one to you. But the verses will also be up on the screen. So we are in in chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. And he is speaking. You'll notice it's in blue. He says, how beautiful your sandaled feet. Now I want you to stop right there. I want you to notice that you can begin to see this mature love, this this love that has developed between he and her because he's looking at her feet and calling them beautiful. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never looked at a foot and said, man, that's attractive. There is nothing attractive about a foot at all, especially not mine. I've got like little hobbit hair growing on my toes. And when I was dating before I, I got married, I never looked at a woman and judged whether or not I would like to go out with her based on the quality or the attractiveness of her foot. But here, Solomon has found something so common as her foot attractive to him. He has developed a deeper love and a deeper appreciation for her. And so his love is, is matured and he notices them. And this just goes to say that the deeper your love for someone, the more you will find the little things, the things that most people don't notice at all. You'll find them attractive to you, endearing to you. Uh, for me, it's like, if for it, in my relationship, one of the things that I love about my wife is the way that she says the word what, or any word, actually, that begins with W-H. Uh, she doesn't say it what. She puts the H in front of the W and says what? Where? 
when she that's just how she talks and you've probably never noticed it if you've talked to her of course you 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 will now when when you do <laughs> but i love it because it's one of those things uh that that is endearing to me about her it's one of those things about her that you that again you wouldn't notice but i've spent so much time with her i've come to love it and i and i poke her and i tease her and and uh and i always go to the to the line but i never cross it okay you just you got to know when to quit guys so anyway but, but it's just like that with Solomon. So, so you can see uh, this maturing because the last time we saw him describing her body was on the wedding night. And, uh, and he only described it from the head down to just below the waist. So uh, he didn't talk about her feet on the wedding night, which you can understand as he's going down her body on the wedding night, he gets to where he wants to hang out. And it's kind of a selfish motive. He's been wondering what that's all about. So he stays there, okay? And that's where he stops. And, uh, and that's totally understandable. As a young man, they were just married, and that's where he was headed. So, but here we have a mature man in their relationship, and he's learning to uh, love the things about her that are not noticeable to anyone else. And I would say that, that God, if you haven't learned, and I'm just talking to the guys, if you haven't learned to notice things about your wife, uh, maybe, maybe her fingernail polish or the way that her shoes complement her outfit, or if you haven't begun to notice these things, that, that you probably don't have a deeper relationship with her. Because e- even if it's not her nails or her shoes, do you know about the things that she cares about or loves? Do you, do you even know what it is that, that captures her attention? Because these things are important to her, and maybe not to you, and you have to invest some time into learning what those things are, right? And so I, I would say for between, again, between my wife and I and our relationship, uh, that, that Shanda loves to talk medical jargon, okay? She's a nurse, and she's a full-time nurse. She works and, uh, uh, as a nurse, and, and so she's always talking to people about things, and she has these crazy acronyms, and she's telling me her stories, and, and as I'm listening to the stories, I don't just let the information wash over me as she's talking to me. I, I stop her. I pay attention to what she's saying, and when she says an acronym I don't understand, wait, w- what does that mean? And she has to stop, and she tells me what it, what it all is, and and, and I listen to her. In fact, I, I care about it. I've come to care about it. I didn't care about it at first. And I, I, I mean, I, I still really, you know, on some levels don't because it's not what interests me. But I, I do care about it because she cares about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so I, I care about it. And so I'm listening to her. I'm engaged in what she's saying. And, uh, and, and she loves that. It's important to her. They're not really important to me, but they're important to her. And so I pay attention to it. In fact, uh, whenever, whenever I want to whisper sweet nothings into her ear... I lean in sometimes and I just go, erythromycin, <laughs> Zoloft, Ambien, Ibuprofen. And this is me whispering sweet nothings to my wife. She loves it. It, it, it just makes her happy and, and giddy inside. Look at her. She's sitting over there. She can't even stop laughing. She's going. It's important to her, so I have come to value it, Right? And I think that when we come to value these things in our spouse, that it, it, it is uh, a sign that the relationship is actually maturing. So he continues on as he's describing her. He says, O prince's daughter. Now earlier in the book, you'll notice he called her a shepherdess, but now he's calling her royalty. She's a priority relationship to him. He's, uh, she is his best friend, and he sees her now in a more mature way. He continues on, he says, your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. Now, most of you guys are reading that, and you say, I can get down with that. I can compliment my lady's legs. That's good. I can do that. But actually, what you need to know is that the legs that are described here, if you go back to the Hebrew, the, where this was originally translated from, and into English it says legs, but if you look at what it was in the Hebrew, he's actually talking about the socket where the hip 
and the leg joins together, right? It's not this, it's not her legs, it's like this place right here, and he's complementing that. And this, this word that is used here is the same word that is used to describe uh, Jacob when he wrestled with God. God touched him in his hip or in his leg, and Jacob, from that experience, limped and walked differently for the rest of his life. It was a game changer for him, this moment. And so Solomon is complimenting a place, saying, hey, we've, we've gone to a deeper place. We've, we've gone to a deeper level, just like Jacob and God did in that moment. And so he's making reference to that. So again, we see that deepening of the relationship. Then he continues on, and, and this, this next verse, you're going to look at it a little bit, and, and, uh, and you, may, you may be a little offended. Guys, don't use this verse on your ladies, okay? This is making reference to cultural things during that time, but... but but, but look what he says. He says, your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Doesn't that just sound like a big old cup? Are you saying my belly button is so huge that you're going to drink out of it? <laughs> and your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. You're like, so is he, is he saying that I'm like huge? Because like, have you ever seen a mound of wheat sitting out in the fields? This is not what he's talking about. He's not saying, hey, you're overweight and that's okay, I dig that. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying to her is, is he mentions the wheat and he mentions the wine, okay? And the wine, represents, the wine and the wheat represent two seasons of harvesting in that time, in that time period in, in his culture. In the spring, there would be a harvest of wine, and in the fall, there would be a harvest of wheat. And when these harvests were plentiful, they knew that God was blessing them as a nation. And so what he's saying is that you are a blessing to me and you are a year-long blessing to me in the way that these harvests were to his people at the time he continues on he says your breasts are like two fawns twins of a gazelle now if you remember this this phrasing or this word what he's saying here is something he said on the wedding night to her so you find that he still has this passion for her even though he's talking about things that are are representative of the relationship being deepened and, and becoming more mature he's still romancing her speaking softly and sweetly to her he's still in love with her even though the relationship is now more mature and so the first thing we need to do is we mature in our relationship is that we need to gain a deeper appreciation. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. It's a deeper appreciation. As you grow in your relationship, you need to learn to have a deeper appreciation for your spouse. You need to learn to love what they love. In my marriage, uh, Shanda, uh, if, you, if you know anything about Shanda, she loves this, this particular TV show, and what that TV show is is between me and her. You can ask her, she'll probably tell you, but... She loves romantic comedies. I'm not really a big fan of them, but she loves them, and so I have learned to love them too, or at least to try to love them and to watch them with her. And I'm a guy. I totally would like to watch a shoot 'em up flick or you know a fantasy adventure, something epic, you know. Like, and and she's just she's she's not that person, and uh, she likes the romantic comedies. And so when we got married, she's there was this show that she watched growing up that was wildly popular that I did not watch either because I wasn't allowed or because I resist like popular culture any popular show on TV I'm like no I'm not I'm not gonna watch that I I was kind of hipsterish I guess I don't know I guess by saying I'm hipster I'm not I I don't know anyway so (laughs) so I'd never watched the show and when we got married she said are you kidding me? You've never seen it? This show has been on. It's already been, like, the, it's already ended. You've never seen this show. It's, they play it over and over again on TV all the time. I was like, no, I've, I've never seen it. Never watched it. 
And so she made me go out and buy the season on DVD. Now, how many of you remember a time before Netflix when you actually had to do that? And buying a season was like 40 bucks, right? So I, I've invested the 40 bucks and we started watching through the first season. And I have to be honest with you, I was not hooked on the first season of this particular show, but I really loved how much she loved it and I loved how much she could quote it. And she was having a good time, so I was having a good time, right? You see, I, I'm learning to love what she loves. And this was early in the marriage and so then I went out and I bought our season two and then I was like wow these are really these are forty dollars each and we, we've never been really rich so I said you know what for Christmas you're getting seasons three and seasons four so I bought them and we watched them together and then anniversary or birthday came up and that was five and six and seven and eight and then I kept watching it and then I went and bought nine and ten on my own and I don't even think I waited on her to watch it what, what happened here is is I, I learned to love what she loved I learned to appreciate it. It became a part of who I am. I had this deeper appreciation for her, and I think that it's this deeper appreciation that we learn to love the things that our spouses love. One of the major reasons that we never get to maturity in our marriages and relationships is because we never get to a place where we can focus on what they love. We always make it about what we appreciate, what we like, what we love. And in all these points that I'm going to make today, you're going to find this common theme that runs throughout, and it's this selflessness. To develop a deeper appreciation, we have to be selfless. And so the second area that their love deepens is found in verse 4. He says, your neck is like an ivory tower. And again, here we see the, the, the maturity developing, okay? Ivory is beautiful and rare. And the first time he saw her neck, he described her neck as a tower of David with lots of shields on it. You know, he described it in a very manly way, the way he was looking at her, right? But this time he, he looks at her and sees the elegance of her neck. He sees the beauty. It's this regalness that he is now noticing in her. And uh, one of the interesting things about ivory is that in order for ivory to be harvested, something has to die. One little trick in marriage is that, that the marriage will get better when something dies. Now, some of you just heard me give you permission to kill your spouse, and that's not exactly what I mean, okay? Don't, don't do that. That's a whole other sermon and a whole other thing. But, but what it means is that when our personal agendas die, when our selfish ambitions and our, 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 our goals, the things that we find so important, we can let them go out of our life so that we can benefit the other person. That's when your marriage gets better, right? And so what I'm saying is that when we die to our selfishness, when we die to those things, we see things get better. And so he continues in his song. He says, your eyes are the, are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bath Rabim. So what this, this pool is, is essentially it's a sauna. It's a, it's a day spot. It's about 25 miles away from the Jordan River. It was felt, fed by a, uh, a spring. And, uh, and it would be a place that you would go and relax and be replenished. Okay, so what he's saying is that, baby, every time I look in your eyes, I find that I am replenished by you. And I'd say for us that we need to create environments like this in our homes, one in which we are refreshed and renewed by each other. Our home ought to be a place where we're able to escape from the cares of the world, where we're able to find peace, where we're able to find protection, where we're able to find unconditional love. Because when we do that, we, we have this refreshing, this replenishing that we find in each other. And as you grow together, you learn to create this space where you can do that, where you can escape the world and too many times because of the way that we fight the way the world teaches us to fight our homes are not a place of peace they're a place of turmoil they're a place of stress a place that we want to get away from on a, on a regular basis because we're not fighting well we're not fighting for each other we're fighting to win we're selfish 
And it's this selfishness that causes us to not even want to be in the home. And let me tell you, let me speak into your life now that if you are in a place where you are trying to run from being at home, that is not God's best for you. And you need peace. And you need to find a way to have it. And so Solomon is saying here, baby, I find in you refreshment. And he goes on to say, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking towards Damascus. So basically he's saying, baby, you got a huge schnoz and I enjoy that about you. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He, he's, he's saying that, look, your whole relationship is this defense in my life. That you will provide this environment of honor, protection, and taking care of the greatest needs that I have so that when I come home to you, it's a place of rest, a place of safety, a place where I will be loved unconditionally, where I'm admired and honored. So here's the second thing. Mature love uh, meets the deeper need of your spouse. Write that down. It's the deeper need, okay? So when we die to our selfish ambition and look to meet the needs of our spouse, we can deepen our relationships. One of the things I love about my relationship with my wife is she is acutely aware of my needs. I, I live a, a we, we live a, a regular high stress life and that it is it has been uh, we've always been on the go. We're a very busy group. We have lots of interests divided and interests together. And so we're constantly on the go. We have three kids and we're involved in our community. We're involved in our church and that that got like hyper when we planted a church that that we got even more stressful things just just life has happening all all around us and so shanda um knows that at these times of high stress that that i need something and so what she does she's really cute she goes okay what do you need right now she like gets in this stance you know and she says what do you need how can i help you what what do you need most right now and I love that about her. She knows what my needs are. She knows that there, it is likely that I need something. But to be honest with you, when I come home and I'm stressed out, you know what I need most? A hug. That's what I really need most. I need a moment to center. I need a moment where everything just stops. And I can find refreshment in her arms. And we even call them melt-away hugs. She'll look at me. She says, do you need a melt-away? And I'm like, oh, I do. And she just, and she hugs me and the world stops. And all those things that are stressful just melt away. I find refreshment. I find replenishment in her arms and when she gives me a hug. And really, I think that this is how our relationships are supposed to mature. That you run to each other. That you would trust each other, honor each other, and love each other unconditionally in such incredible ways that we find our needs are met within each other in this safe environment. And guys, I know that it's difficult for you to know what it is that your woman needs, uh, understanding her emotions and understanding her thoughts. It's difficult to know. In fact, I heard a story of a guy in California. He's a God-fearing man, and he spent time every day. He'd go down to the beach, and he would pray, and he would worship, and he would spend time with the Lord. And after years of doing this, God spoke to him one day. It kind of shocked the guy, but God spoke to him among the waves and said, Listen, I, I love the way that you are faithful. You are a God-fearing man. I appreciate all that you do, that you, that, that you live your life in such a way that you honor me in all that you do. I want to answer any request that you have right now. And the man thought for a moment, and he, thought, he said, you know, I really love Hawaii. He lived here in California. He said, I really love Hawaii, but it's, it's really expensive for me to fly out there. He said, Lord, I would love that if there was a an economical way for me to get back and forth to Hawaii, like a bridge. I would love for there to be a bridge from California to Hawaii. And God responded and said, are you sure this is what you want? You pray often for your family. You pray often for your friends, your community, for your church. You pray often for your wife. 
I'm going to give you anything you want right now. This is what you want, is a bridge from California to Hawaii. And the man thought for a moment, and he said, you're right, you know what, that, that's something selfish, that's something for me. He said, you know what, let me, let me say this, let me change my request. Can I just understand my wife? Can I, can I understand what her needs are? Can I understand how to be anticipatory to what she's thinking? And I know her thoughts and understand her deeper than I ever have, deeper than any man has ever understood any other woman. Help me understand my wife. Heaven was silent for a moment, and God spoke back and said, you want that bridge two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> oh, you thought I was going somewhere serious. Look, guys, I understand that it may be difficult to understand her needs or to understand her thoughts at all times, but that doesn't excuse you from trying. That doesn't excuse you from understanding what her needs may be. You may never completely understand her, but I believe that as you grow, you learn to anticipate what her needs are and and what her desires are, and that you'll be able to meet those needs, because a true marriage is, about, is not about what you can get from it, but it is about appreciating the unique qualities of your spouse, then going above and beyond to meet those unique needs, providing a place of rest, a place of love, a place of safety. And he goes on to say, Solomon continues on, he says, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, your hair is like royal tapestry, the king is held captive by its tresses. So here you need to know that the, the, the symbol here is, is Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is the most beautiful place in all of Jerusalem. In fact, it is a place where the king would have lived, okay? And so he says he loves her head as it crowns her like Mount Carmel, and he's held captive by her. He is intrigued and captivated by her unique qualities, by the way God has made her, by her personality. And he's learned to have, this is the third thing, a deeper respect for her. If you're taking notes, the third thing is a deeper respect. And this is a step we need to take in our relationships. No longer is he captivated by the physical as he was in the beginning. It was all about her body. It was all about that physical relationship. But now he's, he's saying it's all about who she is. It's all about, about her personality, that he is captivated by who she has become, who God has made her to be, and who he is making her to be. And we need to get to a place where we're, we don't just appreciate each other's uh, physical nature, but we are captivated by that person, by their personality, by, bo- by who they are. That we have a deep respect for who they are and who God created them to be. I would say early on in my marriage that, that one of the things I lacked was a respect for who Shanda was. Uh, she's, she's a very strong individual, but in the beginning of our relationship, this was also the part of the turmoil in our relationship. Because I, I took it to be that she was stubborn. And I'm also stubborn. And so when two stubborn people meet, you have reached a place of impasse and so we'd have the, this stubbornness where we would just uh, we wouldn't go anywhere the relationship wasn't growing because we were not going to budge but I've learned as we've grown in our relationship that that's not stubbornness it's actually strength see Shanda's somebody who is not only a, a full-time she has a full-time job as a, as a nurse where she has to continue her education and do well at her job but she comes home and she she has a family of she has three kids she has a dog she has a house she has friends and, and now she has a church community in which she is very well connected to she leads groups she's one of our key people around the church and she's one of the people that makes everything go and she does it all with stride that's her strength and i've come to learn and appreciate that strength and to encourage that strength and to lean on that strength i need her she compliments me with this strength in a wonderful way and i've learned to appreciate that in fact i would say that that 
she, she does all of this stuff, and she does it so well, I'm amazed that she can even take on anything else. In fact, the la- in the last year, she took on an entire life change process. She changed her diet. She changed her exercise routine. And my wife's lost 70 pounds and has done it all with a smile on her face and out of sheer will and strength. I appreciate her strength. It's incredible to me. It's inspiring to me. In fact, we have this little picture frame at my house where it says, I love you because, in permanent marker. And then we have a dry erase marker so we can write each other little notes. And uh, a few months ago, because it's been up there for a while, she must have really liked this, uh, I said, it says, I love you because, and I wrote, you're an inspiration. Because she truly is. And then my daughter came behind, and, and I'm pretty sure it now says, I love you because, and she changed it, you're an inspiration to us all. And, and shifted it to a whole family. And, uh, and so it's, it's remained up there for a while. And maybe, maybe today if somebody will go home and change it. I'm not sure. <clears throat> but when you learn to respect the unique qualities and needs of your spouse, everything in your marriage, I believe, will get better. So we need to learn to have a deeper appreciation for each other, to meet the deeper needs of one another, and to have a deeper respect for one another for a more mature relationship to move past the early days where it's all physical and 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 uh and and as we talk about these things i you would think that okay a deeper love a deeper appreciation for each other all these things you think that the relationship has come to a place where they're completely platonic now where it's not this physical relationship anymore they just have a healthy respect for each other they're great friends but that the intimate side of their relationship has died out but i want to tell you that there's that is, that is not true with these guys. Uh, see what he says here. Solomon continues. He says, How beautiful you are and how pleasing, O love, with your delight. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. Now this is really graphic here. If you want to put it in modern day poet, poetry, it's really love your peaches, want to shake your tree. Right? This is what he's saying. All right, so you guys are there. All right, cool. He said, may your breast be like the clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth the best wines. He's, look, he's talking about the fact that they have, this is the fourth thing, a deeper intimacy. Taking notes, the fourth thing is a deeper intimacy. So let's look at this for a moment. He's talking about climbing this palm tree, and in this, in this imagery, he is the guy who's doing the climbing, and the palm tree is her, is her body. She is represented by the palm tree, and he's enjoying the fruit of it, and, uh, and the reference is to him enjoying his wife's body, okay, is essentially what's happening. But what's interesting here is there is a shift in the perspective of the lovemaking process. For instance, did you know that there are several ways to climb a palm tree? There, there's, there's, there's two ways in particular that I, I'd like to talk about. One way is to put spikes on your shoes. And when you put these spikes on your shoes, you can dig into the tree and climb up the tree a lot easier and a lot faster. You climb to the top and you're able to enjoy the fruit. <clears throat> and when you do this, though, you damage the palm tree. In fact, in Florida, it is illegal to climb a palm tree with the spikes because they have a law, a palm tree abuse law that forbids you from wearing these spikes because you will actually destroy and kill the palm tree in the process of climbing it to enjoy its fruit. And I think too often the reason that the physical side of the relationship doesn't work as we grow and mature, especially on the side of the guys, is that we are only focused on the selfish side of getting to the top of the tree. It's just for us. And if we are to have a mature love, one with deeper intimacy, we learn to climb the tree a different way. In fact, the, there is a way to climb the tree that, that, 
gives it no damage and you're still able to enjoy the fruit of it and that's to wrap your arms around the tree and to shimmy up it to to hold it close and climb the tree and you can still get to the top you can still enjoy the fruit of the tree but you do it in such a way that you protect the tree itself and so you see here is a guy who's maturing in his love for his wife so much so that he's honored her he's made her feel special he's made her feel protected and they still reach a place that he is fulfilled but there's this maturity that has made this process so much better and now we see as we read on that she finally speaks you'll notice the words are now in green she says may the wine go straight to my beloved flowing gently over lips and teeth i belong to my beloved and his desire is for me look she's she what she's saying is is she is responsive again to his love that the way he has gone through the process of loving her is is deepened and of course she's now responding and ladies i would say especially in this area that when your man goes through the process in a way that he has honored you and protected you and he's making advancements on you in the area of intimacy that for you to deny him uh, is, is to hurt him emotionally. This is, we are emotionally attached to intimacy. And so uh, your response to us is important, being responsive to that. But guys, remember, she's responsive because he's taken the time to respect her. And now she's responsive to him for a deeper intimacy, right? And it's this incredible physical relationship. And when she speaks of the wine flowing to him, it's that her joy is found in the relationship. She's saying, I'm so in love with you, you're the one that I want. You are the one. Mm, 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 mm. All right. It's better that I hum it instead of sing it. And so she continues on and says, Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Basically, she's calling him to take off with her, to go on a trip, to go on an adventure, to keep things spicy and exciting, to have this, this trip with him. And she she's looks and says that the challenge is to make sure that the routines of life don't destroy our marriages. You can't allow that to happen. You'll notice in this book that they don't talk about their careers. They don't talk about his, his long day in the throne room. They don't talk about kids. What they're talking about is each other. They're talking to each other about each other. And they build that relationship on one another. And I think that's the best thing we can do. That's why we need to have adventures together, to go on trips, to go on vacations, be spontaneous, and keep making memories like you did when you were younger. You say, well, it's a lot of work now. I've got to take the kids with me. I've got to do this and that. Those are all just excuses for why you're not doing it. Do it anyway, right? Do it anyway. Don't settle into life in a Monday way of living because it will destroy your marriage. She continues on and says, let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. So basically she is keeping it fresh. She is changing up their intimacy by by breaking out of the routine of, of physical relationship without being too graphic here she's being spontaneous and she's saying hey let's go over here and do what we do all right so i would say that that we need to make sure that we do the same in our in our relationship and she says the mandrakes send out their fragrance and, and the mandrakes of course were an aphrodisiac of the time and it, she says and at our door is every delicacy both new and old that i have stored up for you my lover if only you were to make if you were to me like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast, then if I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house, she who has taught me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the nectar of my pomegranates. Now, when you read a verse like that, you're like, okay, this is a little strange. She's either got a thing for her brother or not really sure what's happening there. So let me explain. If you were married during the time, it was culturally not okay 
for you to have public displays of affection or a PDA, right? You could not kiss or hug on your lover in public. Now, if it was your brother, you could hug your brother. You could give him a kiss on the cheek. You could express affection towards your brother. And so she is saying, I wish that you were my brother because I would love to show the world how much I love you physically. I would love to express this to everyone how I feel about you because I'm crazy about you. I'm bubbling over inside for you. I'm, I'm ecstatic about our love. And so she, that's what she is saying there. And so this, this, of course, is biblical reinforcement for public displays of affection. I, th- I think we oftentimes miss this. Guys, as we get into a deeper relationship, we find we probably will still open a door for our ladies, but we don't reach out and grab their hands or we don't give them a kiss or on the cheek or on the lips anymore. And look, I'm not saying go out in public and be gross. What I'm saying is that you can display your love in a public way and let people know that you're crazy about each other. There's no reason to be ashamed of your affection for one another. And ladies, I would say this, that, that you need to uh, speak highly of him in public. You want to, that's a simple way without, just, without showing physical affection. You can also speak highly of him in public. Compliment her in public, guys. Compliment her in front of her friends. Uh, it will go miles with your relationship. And so we look at these two. These two were madly in love with each other, and they couldn't keep their hands off each other, even later in life. And it will spice up your entire life if you will actually live these principles, if you will apply them to your life. And so I want to encourage you today, if you are are at a place in your marriage where you you need to go deeper, you want to go deeper, you need to apply these things today. Amen? Let's pray. Look, I understand in this room that we all fall short of these things all the time. In our marriages, we've failed to do these things and we've blown it in one of these areas and we need, we need God's help. But because these are godly principles and we can't have these principles be effective in our life without Him. And if you've been walking through this life and you've found yourself without God and you want to experience all He has for you, you simply need to accept the gift that He's offered in His Son, Jesus. So I would say if that's you today and you've been doing this all by yourself and you're tired, you realize you can't do it on your own, that you need God to work in your life to make you brand new. If that's you and you'd say, Aaron, you're going to pray in a second and I want you to count me in on that prayer. I would ask you, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I would ask you right now, if that's you and you'd say, Aaron, count me in on that prayer you're about to pray. If you put your hand in the air just so that I know that you're here just slip it up and then you can put it back down thank you thank you for your honesty hands up everywhere that's awesome thank you and look what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the words to pray you can pray them in your heart but you got to mean them and this and this is how it begins the relationship with God begins with you talking to him because he's done so much to get to you